Back Blue Shirts fans to episode number 137 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick, and today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code Locked On, and you will get $10 off of your first order. And in our last episode, we kind of speculated about how the Hurricanes may be trying to avoid the Rangers in one way or another. And now, a couple days later, it has become very apparent, yes, that is 100% what the Hurricanes were doing. They did everything they possibly could do to try to avoid this matchup with the Rangers. And again, just keep in mind, Hurricanes 0-4 against the Rangers this season. And in the last three seasons combined, they are 2-10 and against the Blue Shirts. And there is so much to unpack here. There's so much that's happened in the last few days that has just made it so obvious that the Hurricanes are, are fighting this matchup, kicking and screaming, that I don't even know where to start. But I guess maybe the best place to begin this whole thing is to just hear from the Hurricanes themselves. So I'm going to read you guys a couple of quotes for context here, okay? First of all, let's start with Jordan Martinook. He was the Canes player rep while the league was discussing all the different relaunch options and all the different choices that they had when it came to unpausing this season. Now, Martinook, he voices concerns about fairness, and here's what he had to say. I feel like if you're doing the 2014 thing, it basically gives teams a chance that had no chance of making it, which if you play 82, there's maybe a 6-8% chance that the team in 12th place in the conference makes it. Okay. The only team in the Eastern Conference that did not have any chance of making the playoffs that indeed made the playoffs due to the 2014 format is the Montreal Canadiens. In fact, they're the only team in hockey— Eastern Conference, Western Conference, they are the only team in hockey that made the playoffs that really didn't have a chance to get in. You could maybe say the Blackhawks, because the Blackhawks, they are going to be the 12th seed in the Western Conference, and Chicago had 12 games left, and they were six points out of the playoffs, so that would have been tough. It would have been tough to make up that much of a deficit in the few amount of games that the Blackhawks had remaining on their regular season schedule. But I don't think we can sit here and say it's impossible. They had 12 games left. That's a chance for 24 points. They're only six points out of the playoffs. It's a long shot, but it's certainly doable. We have seen crazier things happen in hockey, to be sure. The Montreal Canadiens, they were 10 points out of the playoffs, which is 11 games left to play. So I think we can fairly safely rule them out of making the postseason had we gone with the typical 16-team format. So why does this bother Martinook so much? There's one team that's kind of getting a free pass into the playoffs out of the entire 2014 field. And by the way, speaking of the Montreal Canadiens, do you guys really think that Martinook and the rest of the Hurricanes would have had a problem with this format if the Hurricanes had been matched up to play the Canadians? Uh, yeah, probably not, because the Canadians, like we said, they're the last team into the playoffs. They're the one team into this dance that maybe doesn't really deserve to be there, but it is what it is. You can't go with a 23-team format. You got to go with 24, so the Canadians are in. It is what it is. Martinook also said... Nobody's ever seen this before, but at the end of the day, the Stanley Cup playoffs are 16 teams, 7 games a series. Now, in any other season, I would 100% agree. Do not ever change the format of the Stanley Cup playoffs in a normal season. 16 teams get in, best of 7 every round. Who wants the cup? Go get it. 
It's the best playoff tournament in sports. You will never change my mind on that. The playoffs are fantastic just the way they are. But let's also keep in mind the whole four rounds, best of seven every round, it's not 100% set in stone. It's not like hockey has always done it this way. We used to have Stanley Cup playoffs where there were best of threes, so that was ridiculous. And as much as I do like the current format, there's nothing that says that it absolutely 100% must be this way every single season. And Martinook acting like we're going against some sacred ritual here is just ludicrous because it hasn't always been this way. And again, we are dealing with some really extraordinary circumstances this season. So I think it's okay to change the format at least a little bit to be fair to all of these teams. Kane's coach, Rod Brindamore, he also took issue with the playoff format. He asked, what did we grind for? The bulk of the season was completed, and they just threw that out, and I think that's how we felt. Look, is this playoff format perfect? No, it is not. I think we've covered that already on this podcast. I believe the uh, the round robin among the teams that have buys, that seems a little off. It doesn't seem quite fair to me that a team with the best record in the conference could drop all the way down to the number four seed pending the results of uh, you know a three-game round robin. The best of five in the qualifying round, that's another thing that's also kind of raised a few eyebrows. You know, maybe there's people who believe they should all be best of seven. Uh, But it is better than doing a best of three, which was on the table at one point. So, uh, you know, I'm okay with the best of five. I don't think that's egregiously unfair to one team or another. And certainly, I don't think you want best of fives in the first or second round of the playoffs, in the round of 16 or the round of eight. I think once you get done to 16 teams, you just do it the way that you always do it. You don't touch the Stanley Cup playoffs. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So... Is this format perfect? Again, it is not, but I do think the NHL and the players and everybody involved with this, they did about as good of a job as we could have possibly hoped for, given the circumstances that this planet has been dealt. For some additional context, let's go ahead and take a look at the one other team to vote against this return-to-play proposal besides the Hurricanes, and that was the Tampa Bay Lightning. Now, Tampa, they're one of the teams, one of the four teams in the Eastern Conference that will have a bye into the round of 16. I think I understand where the Lightning are coming from. Their idea is that they feel like they and the other teams with buys might be at something of a disadvantage once it gets to the round of 16 because all of these other teams in the qualifying round, the other 16 teams in the qualifying round, they are going to be playing legitimate Stanley Cup playoff games. It's a best of five. Whoever wins three games first moves on to the round of 16, whereas the Lightning and the other teams with buys, yes, they are playing these round robins. They're all going to get to play three games, but... I don't know. Can you really manufacture that same kind of Stanley Cup playoff intensity that usually exists when you're only playing for the exclusive purpose of determining your seed? It's not like, look, if you go 0 for 3 in the round robin, I mean, I'm sure no team wants to do that. You want to get some wins heading into the Stanley Cup playoffs. But if you go 0 and 3 in the round robin, you're still the 4 seed. You still have a buy into the round of 16. Everything's going to be okay but you're not getting the opportunity to play legitimate playoff games, and you're going to be playing a team in the round of 16 that has just come out of a best-of-five series, that has just vanquished uh, a Stanley Cup playoff opponent in the round prior. So I understand where the Lightning are coming from. Maybe they feel like the teams with buys won't quite be playing at postseason speed the way that the teams coming out of the qualifying round would be. So I don't know what the solution there is, but at least Tampa Bay is voicing a reasonable concern, and you can at least understand why they voted against their return-to-play proposal. Whereas with the Hurricanes, they're trying to avoid playing the Rangers, which is a team that they have really struggled to figure out over the past three seasons. Again, the Rangers are 10-2 and against the Hurricanes over the past three seasons. Just wanted to take a minute to let you guys know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by 
Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein and energy bar that I have ever had. It's kind of hard to explain. You just have to experience it for yourself. It's got real chocolate, amazing flavors, and unlike a lot of other protein bars, energy bars, you don't need a gallon of water to get rid of that weird, funky aftertaste that sometimes comes with the other bars. It's just good, and it actually kind of tastes quite a bit like a candy bar. It has an amazing combination of low calories, high protein, and low sugar. There are no crazy additives, and if you compare it to the most popular men's bar, Cliff, it is half the calories, seven times fewer carbs, seven times fewer sugar grams, and more protein. How can it be that good and taste that good? I don't know. You just got to try it for yourself. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON to get $10 off of your first box at BuiltBar.com. Once again, use promo code LOCKEDON and get $10 off your first box at www.BuiltBar.com. And something else that we've talked about on this podcast, you know, when the NHL was kicking around all these different ideas, all these different proposals, all these different ways in which the league could return, you know, do you finish the regular season? Do you finish just part of the regular season games that are left? Do you jump right into the playoffs? Do you do 16 teams? Do you do 24 teams? Uh, what's the best way to go about this? One point that I made, and one thing that I still think is somewhat of an issue with the 2014 format, as far as fairness is concerned, is you look at, okay, the Montreal Canadiens, they're the 12 seed in the Eastern Conference, right? They have 71 points, but right behind the Canadiens are the Sabres with 68 points and the Devils with 68 points. And yes, the Canadiens have more points, but they've also played two more games than both the Sabres and the Devils. So who's to say for sure that the Sabres and or the Devils could not have gone 2-0 and in those two extra games that they seemingly should have the right to play? And... I haven't heard anyone voice that concern. In fact, the Sabres and Devils both voted in favor of the return-to-play proposal. I mean, you would think maybe at some point they would stand up and say, hey, we haven't played as many games as this team that we're chasing. How is this fair? But then again, you think about it more. Maybe the Sabres and Devils just figure that, you know what, we're not good teams this year. And if we don't make the playoffs, at least we have a more favorable spot in the NHL draft lottery. So that might be what they're thinking. Uh, who knows? But for whatever reason, neither of those teams put up much of a fight, or at least we haven't heard any stories about those teams putting up a fight as it pertains to them possibly getting into the playoffs ahead of the Canadians. But here's something else we didn't see. We didn't see Rod Brindamore making that argument either. We didn't see Jordan Martinook making that argument. We didn't see Rod Brindamore pounding his fist on the table and demanding justice for the Sabres and Devils. And you know why Rod Brindamore didn't do that? Because Rod Brindamore doesn't care about the Devils and the Sabres. Rod Brindamore doesn't care about what's fair and what's unfair. Rod Brindamore doesn't care about what is truly the absolute best return to play proposal. Rod Brindamore cares about one thing, and that's making sure his team directly benefits from whatever course of action the NHL happens to take. Now, on one hand... You could argue that, hey, that's his job. He's the coach of the Hurricanes. He should be doing everything he can do to make sure that his team has a good chance of going on a nice run here in the Stanley Cup Finals, and that's a fair point. However, again, his team has gone 0-4 against the Rangers this season. They are 2-10 in their last 12 games against the Rangers. If you're the coach of the Hurricanes, wouldn't you want to spin this the other way? Wouldn't you want to convey a message of confidence to your players and your fans and everyone else, everybody in the front office that, hey, you know what? Yeah, we have struggled against this Ranger team, but we're not afraid of them. You know, we we feel like we're a good team. We finished sixth in the Eastern Conference. We went to the Eastern Conference Finals last season. We have some young, exciting players. We are a darn good hockey team. We are not going to be deterred no matter who we play in the playoffs. Isn't that the message that you would want to send as the coach? Not that you are 
trembling in your boots and you're going to do everything to fight this matchup against the Rangers just kicking and screaming the entire way. I mean, listen, from the Rangers' point of view, I don't think that it really affects anything. You know, you talk about bulletin board material. I don't think the Rangers really care that much about that. The Rangers, no, they're up against a good team. Like I just said, this Hurricane squad, these guys are no joke. They were in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. They were down two games to none in the opening round against the defending Stanley Cup champion Washington Capitals, and they came back and they won that series, and they fought their way all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. They have some tremendously exciting young players. Uh, you look at that top line, and it is scary. This is no joke for the Rangers. They're going up against one of the best young lines in hockey, Sebastian Ajo and Tivu Teravainen and Andrei Svechnikov. Show me a better young line in hockey than that top line of the Hurricanes. And the Rangers are going to have their hands full. I mean, listen, just because they were successful against this team in the regular season, it does not mean that they're just going to go out there and dominate them in the playoffs. But I think what this does more than it gives the Rangers a boost is it's got to plant a little bit of a seed of doubt into the minds of the players on the Hurricanes because you've already got to be scratching your head a little bit. Listen, the Rangers have not been a good team cumulatively over the last three years. Now listen, after the All-Star break, they, they came storming back. They got themselves back into the playoff hunt, and now they are indeed going to the playoffs. But if you look at the last three full seasons. The Rangers have not been a very good team, and yet they are 10-2 and two against the Hurricanes. So the Canes have to be wondering at some point what's going on over here. But instead of their coach instilling confidence in them, he's fertilizing the seed of doubt that has to already be there. So I don't know what Rod Brindamore is thinking. Uh, again, you know, and, and if your team is so great, why are you this terrified about playing supposedly the 11th best team in the Eastern Conference anyway? It gets even more ridiculous. So you remember what I said earlier about how, you know, the Hurricanes supposedly they're on this crusade to make sure that everything is fair for everyone. Listen to this proposal that they came up with for their best of five series against the Rangers, okay? They actually suggested, they actually had the balls to suggest that they essentially start the best of five series with a series lead. Their proposal was that the, the only way the Rangers could advance past the Hurricanes in this best of five is if the Rangers won four out of the five games. Not three out of five, like what would be fair, by the way, because they're so concerned about fairness. No, they said that the Rangers, the only way the Rangers should be able to advance past the Hurricanes is if the Rangers win four out of the five games. So really think about that. Imagine if we're four games into this series and the Rangers have won three of them. The Rangers would still have to win another game. If the Hurricanes won the game five under that scenario, then yes, the Rangers would have won three games. The Hurricanes would have won two, but the Hurricanes would advance by beating the Rangers two out of five games. The Hurricanes should be flat out embarrassed and ashamed for even suggesting this and then also trying to pretend like they're on this crusade to determine what is fair. And by the way, the Hurricanes, for all this talk about, you know, what's fair and letting these teams into the playoffs that shouldn't be into the playoffs, the Hurricanes have two more points than the Rangers in the standings. Two points. So Rod Brendamore, Jordan Martinook, the rest of you who oppose this proposal, get off your high horse, okay? Sit down and just accept the fact that you have to play the Rangers. You're stuck. There's no way out of this. You are playing the Blue Shirts in the first round of the postseason. But why stop at forcing the Rangers to win four out of five games in this series? Because I don't know about you guys, but I want to make sure things are really, really fair for the Hurricanes. I want to make sure that the Hurricanes are nice and comfortable. So we're going to add a few more rules to this. Not only do the Rangers have to win four out of the five games, but they have to play shorthanded for the entire series. And in the event that the Rangers take a lead in any game, the Hurricanes then get a five-on-three advantage. And once they tie it, you know, it can go back to five-on-four. Once the Hurricanes tie the game, it can go back to just being up 
five players to four for the rest of the game. Another rule, Artemi Panarin and Mika Zibanejad are only allowed to play five minutes apiece per game. And if either player goes over by one second, the Rangers forfeit the game. Now, you know what? They, they forfeit the series. They forfeit the entire series if either Panarin or Zibanejad goes over five minutes by even a single second. So, Breadman and Mika, you know, they better be careful because I'm going to be really mad at them if they screw this up for the Rangers. Finally, in the event of overtime, the only way that the Rangers can win the game is they must score twice before the Hurricanes score once. Now, do you think that that's fair? That's probably what the Hurricanes would want, right? Do you think we've given them enough? I don't know that we've conceded enough uh, playing under those rules. And it's funny because, you know, you get the playoffs, the playoffs come around, and we all know how intense the Stanley Cup playoffs can get, right? And you almost, like as a fan, as a player, anyone involved in hockey, anyone who's a fan of hockey, you kind of have to come up with something you don't like about the opposing team, right? And with the Hurricanes, it's kind of tough to do that, at least until this, because the... Rangers and Hurricanes don't exactly have a storied history. And in fact, this is the first time they're ever going to be playing each other in the postseason. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to look up if the Rangers ever played the Whalers, but this is the first matchup in the postseason between the New York Rangers and the Carolina Hurricanes. And, you know, it you don't have that storied rivalry like the Rangers have with a team like the Islanders or the Bruins or the Flyers or the Penguins. Uh, take your pick. It's Rangers-Hurricanes. It doesn't scream, you know, uh, just hated, bitter rivalry. But... You do have to come up with some kind of reason why you don't like the team that you're about to play. And hey, the Hurricanes just gave us, as fans, all the ammunition that we need. Because this is absolutely gutless. It is an absolute joke that the Hurricanes are on this, you know, again, this crusade of fairness. But yet they think that the only reason that the Rangers, a team that finished two points, two lousy points behind them in the regular season, the only way that the Rangers should be able to advance by them is by beating them four games out of five. That is an absolute joke. Everybody involved in even submitting that proposal should be laughed at, should be mocked. They should be catching all the heat that they are indeed receiving for it on social media. And hey, go Rangers. Let's take this team out, man. I want a three-game sweep in the first round and on to round two. And, you know, Martinook and Rod Brindamore, they, they can cry all they want and they'll be out of the playoffs just like that. And, uh, you know, that'll be the end of the Hurricanes. We don't have to hear any more about it. The Rangers have to win four out of five. Show some guts and play the series. All right, let's go ahead and shift gears a little bit here. We got some news on Brandon Lemieux and also on Capo Caco. We'll start with Lemieux. It's very easy to forget, you know, with everything that's happened in hockey and everything that's happening around the world right now, that Brandon Lemieux is about to be suspended for his hit on Jonas Donskoy. In the Rangers' last game before the season was paused, they played the Colorado Avalanche, and there was a play where Lemieux basically led with his shoulder, and Donskoy didn't see him coming, and it was just shoulder to head and uh, just kind of knocked him down. And... Yeah, you know, it's definitely a suspendable offense. I've definitely seen worse. It's not like he really maliciously just launched himself into Donskoy's head, but it was shoulder to head. There was clearly some intent there, and uh, I think the league definitely made the right call in issuing a suspension. I mean, I have to be fair here. Um, you know, more fair than the Hurricanes want to be, clearly. But, uh, yeah, I, I think, you know, certainly it warrants a suspension. The interesting thing here is how do you handle this if you're the NHL? Because when it was announced that Lemieux was going to be suspended— the regular season still had 12 games left in it and i don't know i don't know how many games you know lemieux deserves to be suspended for that maybe two maybe three but say let's just say that the nhl was going to suspend lemieux for three games for that hit does that mean that he should be suspended for three playoff games now in exchange for the three regular season games or do three regular season games equate to maybe just one postseason game 
or maybe the fact that the suspension was initially intended for the regular season, maybe that means that you hold off on the suspension until next season. I think all of these are reasonable options. I kind of get the feeling that the NHL, you know, listen, they're trying to get this stuff out of the game, these, these shots to the head, especially when a player doesn't even see it coming. And, uh, you know, there's no, there's no room for it. There's no room for just launching your shoulder into somebody's skull. So I agree with the suspension. I get the feeling we're, we might be without Brendan Lemieux for at least one game in the playoffs. And, and again, this was not the most malicious hit I've ever seen. There's been far worse this season alone, but uh, he is going to be suspended, and rightfully so. And I just hope that, you know, maybe the league comes to the conclusion that they'll just save it for next season since the suspension was originally going to be intended for the regular season. But it's entirely possible that the Rangers are without Lemieux in the playoffs, and that's going to hurt the team because, you know, Brandon Lemieux, I mean, everybody talks about how he's kind of like mini Sean Avery, right? And he goes out there, and he's an agitator, and he gets in people's heads. He does have some offensive skill, and he's somebody who's become a, th a fixture on the Rangers' third line. So they will be missing uh, quite a lot if you don't have Lemieux out there. And I think Lemieux, he's the kind of guy you want for a playoff series, man, because we know that the playoffs, they can get nasty. They can get edgy. Who on the Rangers plays with more edge, more snarl, and looks to kind of stir the pot more than Brandon Lemieux? I can't think of a single player. I mean, there are certainly some other players who bring toughness, who bring a little bit of a snarl. Uh, you can look at Ryan Lindgren. You can look at Jacob Truba. You can look at Tony D'Angelo. But if the Rangers, if they get into a fight in this series, if somebody on the Rangers is going to drop their gloves and actually fight somebody on the Hurricanes, my money's on Brendan Lemieux. And you can make a case for some other people as well, but I just get the feeling it would be Lemieux sticking his face in there. And again, you want a player like that who's going to agitate the opposition a little bit, uh, get in there in the goalie's face, you know, create some havoc. And they will certainly be missing something if Brendan Lemieux is suspended for one or more postseason games. As for Capo Caco... Uh, there has been some conjecture as to whether or not he will be able to and or allowed and or maybe even be willing to play in the series. I mean, I, I would think he would want to play, but the reason for this is Kako has type 1 diabetes, and given everything that's going on in the world, it's a fair question to wonder whether or not he'll be able to play hockey in the postseason. Uh, John Davidson was on a conference call the other day. He said that the Rangers will, quote, listen to science and the medical people, and yeah, I mean, I think that's probably a good way to go about it. Again, I am not a doctor. I don't know enough about diabetes to really voice an opinion here, but it's good that this is, you know, something that's being considered. It's something that the Rangers are putting some thought into as to whether or not they think Kako uh, can and should and will be allowed to play hockey. I don't know. I don't know enough about diabetes. I don't know if maybe that makes you more susceptible to getting sick. I really don't know. I'm not a doctor. I don't want to say too much about it just yet. Uh, maybe I'll look into this a little bit more, and maybe Capo Caco himself will uh, you know, address the situation, and we'll find out more about it in the days and weeks going forward. Because, you know, there's a while to go here. You know, we're not going to be playing any of these series until uh, the early parts of July. We're not even at the end of May yet, so obviously there's time to uh, figure all of this out and, and decide what the best course of action is as it pertains to Capo Caco. Now, in sticking with the locked-on theme for the week, it is once again the time machine, and we have a choice to make here because the time, the, the year that we have been given here is 2010. So with hockey, it's a little bit different than other sports, or at least some of the other sports, in that it really is split fairly evenly between one year and the next year. Like right now, we're in the 2019-2020 season. So for the year 2010, I feel like I have a choice to make here. I could either talk about the 2009-2010 season, or I could talk about the 2010-2011 season. 
In 09-10, uh, that was the year that the Rangers missed the playoffs. The season came down to basically a play-in game. Not even basically, it was a play-in game against the Flyers. Uh, the winner of that game was going to go to the postseason. The loser was going home. It went into overtime. It went into a shootout. And then the Rangers lost in the shootout. So, I mean... Does anything else that happened that season even matter? When your season ends in painful, heartbreaking fashion such as that, does anything else really matter that much? So, yeah, that was 2009-2010. I think I'd rather talk about 2010-2011 because at least the Rangers made the playoffs in this season, and they did so in very dramatic fashion because the last day of the regular season, the Rangers had an afternoon game against the Devils, and they won that game. They defeated the Devils 5-2 to in the afternoon, but they also needed to catch some help later that night. They needed the Lightning to beat—you're not even going to believe what team the Rangers needed the Lightning to beat in order for the Rangers to make the playoffs. Yeah, the Hurricanes. And the Lightning did that as well, and so the Rangers got into the playoffs. But that is a tough, tough spot to be in when it comes down to the last game of the regular season and you don't even control your own destiny. And the Rangers, they took care of business in the afternoon. They basically just thrashed the Devils 5-2, to and Chris Drury, who had just a miserable season that year, uh, mostly because of injury, but even when he was healthy, uh, he really didn't do much of anything for the Rangers. He skated in 24 regular season games, just one goal and four assists, but he scored the one goal came in that game right there against the Devils. So that was cool to see uh, Drury, you know, even always kind of known as a clutch player, and even in a completely lost season, scores uh, a really big goal there for the Rangers. So that was kind of neat. And then I remember, you know, I watched that game during the afternoon, and then at night I found, like, some just, like, low-quality uh, internet streaming site where you could just watch other games. So I'm watching this blurry, just god-awful picture of the Lightning against the Hurricanes, and the Lightning basically just dominated the Canes in that game. They got up to a 4 nothing lead, and they went on to win, and the Rangers, just like that, they're in the playoffs, and they got a chance, and guess who the Rangers play in the first round uh, as the eight seed? Yeah the Washington Capitals, because what would the playoffs be without a Rangers-Capitals series? And the Rangers actually had a chance. They played the, the Caps pretty tough in this series. They lost Game 1 in Washington in overtime by a 2-1 to score. They lost 2 nothing in Game 2. They bounced back at Madison Square Garden Game 3 and won 3-2. to So now the series is two games to one. We're going into Game 4. It's a huge game for the Rangers. You win this one, man, we got a series because it's 2-2. Two to -two. And the Rangers, if you guys remember, they went up... Three to nothing in this game. They led three to nothing going into the third period. And the Capitals came storming back. They score three goals. The game goes into overtime. It goes into double overtime. And the Capitals win on a goal by Jason Chimera. And fun fact about that game, I almost went to it, which would have been a complete disaster because my friend got tickets for the game. He, he was looking to go. He was really excited. Oh, yeah, you know, the Rangers, they're going to get back into the series. We're going to tie the series tonight. It's going to be great. The Garden's going to be rocking. It's going to be awesome. He spent... $200 for just complete nosebleed tickets. Um, I think I think he was sitting literally in the last row of Madison Square Garden. So he had to endure all that. I mean, it started well enough. The Rangers got up 3 to nothing. They scored three times in the second period. Ranger goals scored by Artem Anisimov, Marian Gabarek, and Brandon Dubinsky. But it all went south in the third period and then also in the double overtime. So, uh, yeah, I would have been pretty sick, uh, you know, throwing down $200 to, to watch that nonsense. But, uh yeah, just a rough game for the Rangers, and then the Capitals went on to win Game 5 by a score of 3-1, to one, and just like that, the Rangers were done. Uh, it was a good effort. Like I said, it's not like they got run out of the building in any of these games, but the Capitals were just better, and, uh, you know, it showed in the series result, a 4-1 to one, uh, series victory for the Caps. Some other notes about this season. Before the season actually started, the Rangers finally waived Wade Redden. 
you talk about just a disastrous signing. Uh, he did absolutely nothing for the Rangers and actually spent almost as much time in the AHL between the Wolfpack and the Connecticut Whale as he did on the Rangers. Um, spent slightly more time with the Rangers, but not by as much as you might think. The less said about Wade Redden, the better. I mean, he just it was a disastrous signing. It's one of the worst signings the Rangers have ever come up with. He did absolutely nothing to help this team. Derek Stepan notched a hat trick in the Rangers' first victory of the season. They beat the Buffalo Sabres 6-3 on that game, and Stepan became just the fourth player in NHL history to pick up a hat trick in his first NHL game, so that was pretty cool to see. Mark Stahl and Henrik Lundqvist both made the All-Star team, and Derek Stepan took part in the Super Skills competition. And the Rangers on April 4th that season defeated the Boston Bruins 5-3 after trailing in the game 3-0. The first time in Ranger franchise history that they defeated the Bruins after trailing 3-0 in a game. But yeah, that's going to pretty much do it for today. Once again, thanks for tuning in, guys. If you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is LockedOnNYRangers at gmail.com. And be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Again, that is at LO underscore NY underscore Rangers. Now go ahead and tell your smart device to play the latest edition of Locked On NHL. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time.